Hello, and welcome to Of The People. I am Robert Chernin. Thank you for joining us again. Guns, guns, and more guns. Have you ever noticed that all the problems in society, according to the Democrats, are because of too many guns, too much gun violence, and all they want to do is take the guns away? The latest, you ask? So the Biden administration, under the cloak of night, signed, they established a federal office of for gun safety. I believe the exact name is, let's get this right so no one can accuse me. It's the Federal Office of Gun Violence Prevention. What's in a name? You have to love it, right? So so they they can't go after the guns per se. So they they go after something, Office for Gun Violence Prevention, because who wouldn't be against preventing gun violence? Because if you're against preventing gun violence, you're a bad person, right? See how they word these things? Let's not forget that what they're really trying to do, and by the way, this comes on the heels of the Bipartisan Communities, uh, Safer Communities Act, which was passed after the Uvalde massacre and the Buffalo shooting. And now they're going after funding for archery and other things in schools because these are obviously deadly sports as well. So now we have the Federal Office of for uh, Gun Violence Safety or Prevention of Gun Violence. Thank you. Right. And you know they're coming after your guns. That's what this is. Let's not forget that the Second Amendment is there to protect all the rights we're supposed to enjoy in the First Amendment. And if they can't get the guns one way, they're going to try to get them another way. And who is part of this federal office, you may say? Well, the representatives from gun control groups, including the Community Justice Fund and the Every Town for Gun Safety Fund, right? Notice that when they put these things together, right, that they never talk about the real things that drive gun violence. And by the way, for the record, a gun isn't good or bad. What you do with the gun makes you good or bad. So it's the people, right? So people need more training with guns, not less. There's a mental health issue that no one wants to seem to address because it's not a mental health issue. It has nothing to do with the fact that families are breaking down and there's no fathers in home in a lot of families. There's nothing to do with the, the political violence that now seems to be okay from George Floyd forward, and now the other side is complaining that there's too much violence. Who do you think opened the floodgates for that? So, of course, they want to take the guns because after the guns, they're already going after laws, man's laws, God's laws, God's laws, and now they're going after the guns with the Office for Preventing. Let's get it right again because I'm angry, as you could tell. Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Folks, what's in a name? Guns, guns, guns. And they're coming after them again in another way. Thank you, President Biden. Folks, Robert Chernin of The People will be right back with the main show. America came into being based on a shared belief and a common set of values. Unlike other nations that were bound together based on common ancestry, race, or caste, we came into being based on a simple and shared set of ideals. That the power of government is based on the consent of the governed. That life, the freedom to live life on our own terms in our own way, free from government interference, and liberty, our most precious value, and the pursuit of happiness, which means we are free to pursue that which we choose with the knowledge and courage to know that nothing is guaranteed to us in this life. Those values, America was founded on these basic inalienable rights. Freedom to pray to God in our own way. 
freedom to think and speak freely without fear of punishment or harm, and freedom to gather in our places of worship and in our local taverns, and freedom to defend ourselves, our families, our homes, and our neighbors as we see fit. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is dedicated to protecting American exceptionalism anywhere and everywhere it is threatened. ASIC is a 501c3 and depends on your tax-deductible donations. Please help us continue our fight. Hello, and welcome back to Of the People. I'm Robert Chernin with my lovely co-host. Erica Ruddick. And joining us is that seer of seers, the fountain of Republican mm. knowledge, Jay the Republican. Jay, welcome back to Of the People. I appreciate the invite, and I'm happy to be here again for another segment of Throw Up Thursday. So let's get right to it. I got what my are bucket you, ready, Jay. Wh- I got what my, are you, can I say ready. this on air? What are you puking up today? Well, I'm not puking up. One of the things that's happening this week uh, is the National Federation of Republican Women are meeting in Oklahoma for mm. their biennial meetings where they will elect new officers and uh, change some bylaws if that uh, happens. And it's, it's a big event. Uh, they expect over a thousand people there. And for you that wow. don't know, the Republican National Federation of Republican Women uh, have over 1,200 clubs nationally with 64,000 Republican members. But one of the things that's happening and one of the fights that's going on on the floor this year is whether or not transgender folks will be allowed to become members of the National Republican Federation of Women. Oh. Come on. Come on. Wait, wait. How let me see. Let, let me see if I got this right. So, Republican, ostensibly conservative women are now going to vote whether or not to admit men who have transgendered to a woman as a member of this Republican women's organization. Am I hearing that right? You're hearing that right. And one of the things is there was a, a motion, uh, a resolution that was <laughs> shot down by the existing leadership that would have changed the definition of what is allowed in the federation so just to give you a little background right now there are slates of officers that are running and one of the members of the slate is the chair from new jersey who wants to be part of the leadership of the national party three years ago well in 2019 the new jersey president who is this woman running for election to national office nominated a transgender person to become woman of the year in New Jersey. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she nominated a man to be well, woman I, of the year. You know, that's what well, you're I get, saying. I get really confused about whether it's man, women, all those kind of things. So I always refer to it as a jan- transgender person. Okay. So one of the th- reasons they're saying this is they're worried about lawsuits that are coming, which is ridiculous. Mm. If you look at some of the, uh, experts in the field of First Amendment rights. And the First Amendment talks clearly about the freedom of association. And that was brought out just recently in the uh, circuit court in California, the Ninth Circuit Court, that took on the, the case of Anita Green versus the Miss United, let me make sure I get this right, the Miss, Miss United, United States Miss. of America pageant. 
Okay. Oh, I thought it was Miss Universe. I heard that Miss story. Miss USA. Okay. It is the Miss, U- Miss Unis- United States of America. The circuit court, which is well known as being a very liberal court, and that's why Anita Brown brought that case in that particular district. Right. The court said that as a private organization, they have the right to define who can become a member of that organization and who can participate. So the courts have already ruled, and the Supreme Court has ruled several times in in these cases uh, regarding free association. So So even California, who's super liberal, sided with Miss USA pageant. Exactly. Oh, so that they wow. could define, and it was very clear that their members, those who could compete, were biological women. So now that throws out the whole reason for the National Federation of Republican Women to say that we're afraid of lawsuits, and that's why we still continue and will still allow biological men to be part of our organization. It's interesting that one of the one of the states that has already fought back is Arkansas. And Arkansas, in their bylaws, have said, and let me quote: "A woman is defined as being born a DNA biological female at birth." So the Arkansas National Federation of Republican Women made it very clear that their organization is strictly about biological women. We looked at yep. what Riley Gaines is go- doing nationally. To talk yep. about defining a woman. If the Republicans themselves are not willing to step up and define what a woman is, what hope do we have? So that's my throw up of the week, that these National Federation of Republican Women are actually considering allowing biological men to be part of a Republican organization for women. I mean, they might as well just change their mind and call it a National Federation of People. That's what, what's the point? Republican in there. It's, if they're defining it as a... Woman's organization, you should be a biological woman. I I think you make a really good point, Jay, is if even the Republicans will not stand up for women or Republican women, what what is the point of being a Republican anymore? Well, and I don't know. If we go back to the person in New Jersey uh, Mm. that was nominated to be Woman of the Year, a transgender person, not only were they nominated to be woman of the year in New Jersey for the Federation of Republican Women, this same person decided to run against a pro-life Republican, Chris Smith for Congress, as an independent, very pro-choice liberal that is part of the National Federation of Republican Women. And I believe this person is still on the board of directors in the New Jersey Federation of Republican Women. So we need to do something about it. And if you are listening to this and you are one of the thousand delegates going to this convention, you need to stand up on the floor. There's already a large group of people that will be standing up on the floor to define what a woman is in terms of being a part of the National Federation of Republican Women. So, Jay, you're you, you know, you've got your ear to the ground when it comes to Republican issues, right? That's why you're Jay the Republican. So, you know, I'm not super surprised to hear this out of a place like New Jersey, because we know the Northeast is way more liberal than the rest of the country, right? But like, 
Are we just seeing the degradation of the Republican Party across the country? Do you think these kinds of things are isolated to the Northeast where they are way more liberal, way more willing to be tyrannized and give up their rights even as Republicans? Is this something you're seeing across the country? Like, would you expect to hear something like this in any of the other 49 states? What you're really seeing is a divide within the Republican Party of blue state versus red state. Mm. And running away from having a national uh, belief system of what it is to be a Republican. So what we're finding is that these blue states are looking for a way to elect Republicans. They're not going in and deciding what the policy should be, but how do we find someone that's electable? And in these cases where they're deciding who's electable is really a Democrat who believes in Democrat philosophies and all of that. So as a party, we need to start defining what it means and how we rule. We're seeing what's going on in the House of Representatives right now, whether or not we're going to allow for the budget continuing resolution to go forward. So we need to fight for Republican principles. And it starts with the basics that we can't be subject to these cancel culture fools that are out there trying to define who we are and what we are. And we need to stay firm with our policies and our beliefs. Can we change the messaging a little bit? Absolutely. Should we change our values and our policies just to get elected and then do nothing once we're elected? That doesn't work and that shouldn't work. And isn't that ultimately why people are, uh, you know, what I hear from folks who are abandoning the Republican Party, um, you know, conservatives, pro-life folks, they're saying our party doesn't even represent us anymore. What is the point of being a Republican? And so if... You know, being a Republican is that you can't be a Democrat, that there is nothing within the Democrat platform that makes any sense. And that's why it's important for all of us to redefine who we are and to fight for the platform of the Republican Party, not fight for certain leaders or self-anointed leaders. We need to take a look at the platform, which if you go back and look at the platform, it is very strong. It represents our values. It represents the issues that are important to Republicans, and it does make a difference. We're going to have a huge fight in 2024 at the National Convention over our platform, and we need to elect representatives that will be on that platform committee that will hold firm to our values and our belief system, and it's what Mm. is the exceptionalism that made this country great, and it's Republicanism that makes us a strong nation. And I know that what people are doing with other people very much supports the exceptionalism of the United States, and if we don't defend that, we have no chance going forward. And the best defense of that is to stay within the Republican Party, fight for our values, because it is the only hope that we have. So now, if I can out you, Jay, I don't know if I'm if I'm allowed to out you, but you are currently a member of the platform committee of the National RNC. Isn't that right? Well, there is no national platform committee, except that will be happening at the convention in 2024. Mm. So there's a bunch of ad hoc groups that are working on the foundation of what the platform is going to look like, but it has to be presented and approved in July of 2024 going forward. So we don't Mm. have a platform committee at this point. What's going to happen is there'll be two members from every state and territory. So there'll be 112 people that will meet the week before the convention and iron out exactly what the platform will be. Wow. So if you are in any of the states watching this, You want to make sure that your delegates that go to the national convention, one, are conservative, 
two, are actually Republicans, and three, find those that are committed to our platform and what we stand for and elect them within your delegation to go to the platform committee in July of 2024. So if only if it's only 112, does that mean the state party chairs are not going to this? It's only the national committee woman and national committee man, or how does that work? No, the members of the national platform committee are separate from the RNC members. Oh. So they could be anyone that is a delegate to the national convention. And each state will send one man and one woman to represent them on the platform committee at the convention. So okay. it can be anyone that gets elected as a delegate to the national convention. Okay. All right. I know I'm totally taking over um the the conversation here uh because i just find this so fascinating jay so how can you tell us a little bit about how the sausage is made when it comes to the 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 platform committee meeting um is it like a bunch of people like smoky back rooms where you know people are wheeling and dealing like what what happens because that sounds like if it's you know 112 people the week before the the convention uh that sounds like a lot of pressure that sounds like a lot of like like intense conversation is happening well there will be intense conversation and how it works is that there'll be a draft platform that will be presented and that'll be worked out by members of the Republican National Committee staff and the nominee of the party, if it's decided by that point, will have some real influence into what that platform looks like. And you've looked at it two different ways. In 2008, for instance, John McCain was very, very active in what the platform looked like. So he okay. brought his people to Minneapolis and we worked on the platform there. And mm. there were changes that were made 2016, President Trump just said, you know, you're the Republican Party, write the platform, we'll go with it. <laughs> uh, it did, doesn't mean that the candidate is actually going to follow the platform, but he left it up to the party to do that. Mm, so okay. a draft platform is presented. So you go a week before, you receive a copy of the draft platform. You're one of the 112 that are there. There are okay. subcommittee groups that talk about the different issues. One might be social issues might be the life issues, might be marriage, the family. One might be foreign policy. One is going to be economic policy, energy policy. So we have these subgroups that will meet for the first couple of days. And where they will do is they will try to fine tune the wording and represent the larger body as to what that platform looks like. Okay. It will then go to a public meeting. It will be on camera. C-SPAN covers it. Mm. where the 112 members get together and they go section by section and discuss what the platform should look like and why. In each okay. of these sections, we will have votes on them and then we'll vote on the entire package together. So it's a and public thing. It's not smoke-filled rooms, but there is some work that's done with staff and other members prior to the meetings so that there's something to work on. You know, the platform is 56 pages. The uh, 2020, if we did not have a platform committee because of the COVID restrictions 
And there was some push by the Trump people to turn it into a three-page platform. Wow. It won't be three pages. It'll be 50-something pages because there are a lot of issues and the Republicans take a stand on their issues. And I guarantee God will be in our platform, although it's not in the Democrat one. That's so wild. So do you think that this conversation about transgender or biological men being allowed in women's spaces or any of that, do you think any of that is going to be part of the platform conversation nationally? Oh, it absolutely will be. And okay. there'll be fights to define what a man is, what a woman is, and all of that. I'm sure there'll be a section on uh, transgender people in sports mm. you know riley so, is out there making great statements on what that should look like so whatever happens at the meeting of the national federation of republican women could actually have a tremendous impact on the platform committee meeting no and doubt about it and also if you take a look at california uh just put together their platform and it's very weak on on the issues it doesn't support the traditional values that we have and so when you put oh. together all the concepts that are going into the national platform, people will take a look at the California platform. They'll take a look at the Arkansas platform. They'll take a look at a lot of the different states' platforms and use those as guidelines as a, a, a referral going forward. So I think we really want to take a look at what's going on with the National Federation of Republican Women. But we also want to make sure that anyone that we elect to represent us at any level stays true to our values and our belief systems and what we're doing. And I appreciate you having me on for this Throw Up Thursday segment. It went a little long, uh, but I think we need to make a difference out there and don't stop fighting for your values. Yes. And and most importantly, Jay, um, you know, I think we want to emphasize write to your national committee representatives right now. If you are watching or listening, do, you know, don't just don't just hear this and and think, oh, this sucks and is stupid or whatever. What we what we need y'all to do is to act. Make sure you reach out to your local chapter of the National Republican Women. Let them know, especially if you are a woman. Uh, if you want to remain a woman and protect women's spaces and women's organizations, reach out to them today. Tell them what you think. Reach out to your national committee men, national committee woman. Let them know what your priorities are because if they don't hear from you, they're just going to go to these meetings and do whatever they want. These people are there to represent you. So go out take responsibility and uh, and let your let your elected representatives your appointed representatives your national republican women know that you want to protect women's spaces uh, thank you so much jay the republican for coming on today and and throwing up about the national federation of republican women thank you for having me Thanks, Jay. Robert, Robert, hey, can Erica. you believe this nonsense? What whole is this? What, are we going to be talking about this anymore in the next segment today or what? Well, I think we have another guest coming on. So Jay, the oh. Republican, thank, thank you for stopping in and throwing up on Thursday. Folks, Blech. we have to go to a break. We will be right back after the break.
From conservative commentator and contributor to Breitbart News, The American Spectator, The Jerusalem Post, The New Civil War, Exposing Elites, Fighting Utopian Leftism, and Restoring America, Bruce D. Abramson brings a transformative exploration into how progressivism has poisoned America. Featuring a foreword by President Trump's former strategist, Sebastian Gorka, PhD, The New Civil War will open your eyes to the left's incendiary agenda and how patriotic Americans can fight back. We are living through a national trauma. The United States has jettisoned the rule of law and ceased functioning as a republic. Battle lines have been drawn. Progressives are moving quickly to cement their transformation of the country's beliefs, attitudes, values, social structures, economic models, and government organizations. Patriotic Americans are waking up to recognize that conservatism failed to conserve much of anything. Progressives control academia, media, the civil service, and several of our country's most important industries. The new civil war is not a call for war. It is a recognition that war has been declared on us. Our sacred love of liberty is under attack. Unless we defend it, the America we love may be lost. This book is for every patriotic American eager to defeat the utopian left and restore America. Joel Pollack, conservative journalist. Americans face a bizarre new political landscape. A supposedly moderate president who ran on promises of unity is pursuing a radical left-wing agenda. These challenges call for principled, effective opposition. The new civil war will help start a conversation about how to push back. Harmeet Dillon, civil rights lawyer. As a lawyer who defends the victims of progressivism every day, I have looked into the eyes of the thought police. The new civil war provides the wake-up call American needs and serves as a self-defense manual for patriotic Americans. Get your copy of The New Civil War today. Hey everybody, Erica Reddick, also known as Generally Irritable. Special shout out and thanks to our Of The People radio and podcast listeners and to our Rumble viewers. We sort of had to give up on YouTube a little bit because uh, they don't like the things that we say. So you guys make sure you go check us out on Rumble. And also while you're there, go ahead, click subscribe, follow, generally irritable. You hear Robert and I talk about it a lot and you might ask yourself, what's the difference? Well, at Generally Irritable, we're not just covering news and politics, but we're talking about how news and politics intersects with culture. We get to go to live events like the How Many More rally at the Austin Capitol, America Fest hosted by Turning Point USA. Talk to and interview some of your favorite pundits, politicians, and podcasters to see what they think about where we are at in the American experiment today. Why do we do it? Because we believe that an engaged and informed electorate is the best way to save the American Republic. You'll even find cameos from our producer, uh, Lord Benjamin, AKA Lord Violence, AKA a darker perspective. That's where you can find him on Twitter. You can find me on all of the socials under Generally Irritable, literally all of them. Twitter, you're gonna find me as Erica Reddick, E-R-I-C-K-A-R-E-D-I-C. And most importantly, engage, because we need you to overcome the evil big tech overlords. You gotta share, you gotta comment, 
you gotta like, you gotta hit that rumble button. Hello, and welcome back to Of The People. I'm Robert Chernin with my lovely co-host. Erica Reddick. And we are truly, truly thrilled to have joining us today, the chairman of the New Hampshire Grand Old Party, Live Free or Die, Chairman Chris Ayer. Chris, Mr. Chairman, welcome to Of The People. Hey, thank you. It's always a pleasure to see you both again. Yes. Absolutely. And some exciting news in New Hampshire, right? There's all this buzz around the first in the nation summit that you personally put together. We have almost all the presidential candidates coming and a whole host of, of stars and, and, and public figures. Tell me, tell me when it is, tell me about it. I mean, I've seen some of the flyers, but I haven't quite zeroed in on it. Sure. It's, it's October 13th and 14th. So it's a Friday mm. afternoon and Saturday morning. And mm. we have confirmed 11 out of the 13 presidential candidates, uh, the top 13. So those 11 and um, Fantastic. You know, President Trump is is not one of them. You know, he's kind of avoided these, you know, get togethers. Um, for his well, you know, look, look, he's avoiding the debate. So, of course, he's going to be avoiding sure. this, too. <laughs> I, and, I mean, you know, yeah, did you think you were totally that special fine. that he was coming here? Yeah, that's totally fine. We, you know, we understand <laughs> candidates have to do what they think is best for their campaign. And we totally support that for anyone. And uh, Tim Scott is uh, not yet confirmed, but we've been talking to mm. his folks and, and we hope that he'll confirm soon. Um, but in addition to the candidates, uh, we have a lot of other interesting um, Republican leaders. Uh, yes. So Senator Joni Ernst uh, from Iowa is coming, as well as Congresswoman Kat Kamak from Florida. Um, and they're both love her They're yeah. along with Senator Grassley and Senator Tom Cotton. They're kind of like our adopted Congress a woman and senators since we have no representation <laughs> in washington um, That's right. you, wait 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 on the republican senator hassan you don't want to adopt senator hassan and and senator <laughs> no. wait a minute maggie come on maggie family incompatibility i don't think it would work <laughs> So, so, so who are some of the other, so, cause I know there's a, a, a cavalcade yeah, of sort of, you know, prominent GOP a, figures yeah. who else is coming. There's a ton. So we, we have the last, um, so press secretaries from both the Bush and Trump, uh, administrations. We have Sean Spicer coming and Ari Fleischer's right. coming, yeah, my buddy he's coming and Ari Fleischer, they're both coming. So nice. that's, that's pretty fantastic. We have leadership, uh, Ronald McDaniel is coming as well as um, um, the co-chairman, uh, Drew McKissick from South Carolina. And we, we've also got other RNC people who who are very prominent and leaders in the party. Uh, Harmeet Dillon uh, will be there. Yeah. Isn't can, she representing the, uh, oh my God, who's the, the swimmer? Um, Riley Gaines. Is, yeah, isn't she representing Riley Gaines um, in her case? Um, her law firm is represents a lot of Republican or conservative uh, folks mm. in court. I believe she's doing that, but she also her law firm is representing President uh, Trump and um, the the challenge on the Fourteenth Amendment to try to keep him off the ballot in New Hampshire. Her law firm. And let's hold. She'll be that. Yeah. So let's hold off on that because I want to spend a whole lot of sure. time talking about that. But okay. so give me some of the other luminaries besides sort of institutional sure. figures, uh, because I know uh, there are some social media sort yeah. of. Um, yeah. Matt Faldi is coming and he, he's a, a he, he's a, a very young, young 
uh, gentleman that ran for Congress in Maryland. And he's, he's on this show. I, I'm not familiar with it. My, my kids are and younger people, but uh, Ruthless. Are you aging Turning yourself? Point USA is a, is a co-sponsor with us. And uh, Tyler Fantastic. Boyer. Yeah, Tyler Boyer is the chief operating officer. He's running a panel of young people, and Matt Foldy is one of them. Also, Caroline Levitt's going to be on that panel who ran for Congress uh, uh, in New Hampshire. Um, but we also have Morgan oh, Ortegas. Morgan Ortegas is coming um, from uh, you know, former State Department uh, spokeswoman. Uh, we, ha- we got a little bit of Hollywood in there, too. Uh, Kevin Sorbo and his wife, Sam, are coming. So we got Hercules. Um, so go. we, it reduced our cost. For security, since we got Hercules there, we're not worried about <laughs> anything at all. That, um, that works. Yep. You know, I love that you have a real cross section of not just you know the regular candidates for office, but that you're also bringing in culture warriors and folks who are engaging with young people. Like it sounds like you really took the time to make sure everyone who considers themselves a Republican or Republican adjacent is going to be represented there that weekend. Yeah. We, we have um, um, also Katie Peterson, who is, I don't know if you've heard of the name Chloe Cole. Um, yeah. Um, so she's a, a young lady who was convinced at a young age to to have these mutilation surgeries. The gender uh, transition. Gender. Yep. Ooh, and ooh, she, but ooh. she's yep. speaking, and she's a local. She's very effective. Um, we're looking forward to her uh, speaking as well. And um, fantastic! It's gonna it's gonna um. Oh, she's the gal. She's the gal who's been doing some investigative reporting and like going into these meetings and getting footage of crazy school boards and compiling it and really engaging across the country. Oh, this is so exciting. So, 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 Mr. Chairman, where is this in Nashua? So it's going to be at the Sheraton Terra. Um, okay. In Nashua, so it's exit one in New Hampshire, coming up Route Three, with a turnpike, Ooh. and anybody can sign up. So if we have people coming from uh, different states, uh, as far away as um, uh, Wyoming, and you can sign up at nh.gop. There's a first in the nation summit uh, link, and okay. we also have organizations that'll be set up. So the term limits organization is going to have a booth. Um, we're going to have you know we're going to have a little. Uh, a little bit of a radio row there. Um, hope you guys can join us. And Fantastic. We're going to have um, receptions and breaks in between some of the speakers as well, because we know people want to network is not just sit there and watch speeches back to back, but network with some of these people. Um, yeah. So Kevin Sorbo is going to sign some books. You know, we know that. Um, but but we've got, um, um, you know, Lee Zeldin also, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been to New Hampshire that I'm aware of. And so having him come in is uh, is really interesting as well. But we have a big, so, you know, we so nh.gop is the yeah. website. nh.gop. People can go to the first in the nation summit. There's got it's got to be like a banner on your page yes. or something. Mm-hmm. Events. They can click the link, sign up, get tickets. Yep. And we're doing tickets. Uh, we're serving. Uh, um, box lunch on Friday and continental breakfast Saturday. There's also a reception after the event on Friday evening and Saturday we'll have a little, you know, kind of like a little reception uh, food bar. 
And so we want to make it fun as well as informative and, and do, do a lot of networking um, as cool. well. Um, Mr. Chairman, looking, you're a class act. Here. This sounds like a great event. Folks, first in the nation summit, right? Friday, right. October 13th in the evening and starts 14th. at 6. Yeah. It starts at uh, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock Friday afternoon, and, and then it starts 1 o'clock to about 8 o'clock, and then Saturday morning, 8.30 to about 1.00. And, um, you know, if you can't make it right at one o'clock, that's okay. You know, you can come in a little bit later um, on Friday. And our whole itinerary, you know, minute by minute, who's speaking when, that that should be posted uh, by tomorrow morning. So Ooh, fantastic. Um, yeah, we also have universities uh, represented. Uh, we invited college Republicans from all the universities in New Hampshire to come. And we have sponsors uh, for those folks. And so we really want to network um, with College Republicans, Turning Point, you know, some of the more senior Republicans, um, some of the you know thought leaders out there across the country and kind of kind of put it all together for people to you know, help promote the cause going into 2024. So right, we're right. really excited. You know about it, it. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know what it sounds like? You know, there's that old expression is doesn't matter if you're there. It only matters if you're not there. There you right. Go. This, right. This, this sounds like one of those events. So, so folks, yes. first in the nation summit, New Hampshire, live free or die. Be there Friday the 13th, Saturday, October 14th. Now, now, Mr. Chairman, I want to jump to this whole 14th Amendment. Yes. I'm been going so on fascinated in, in New Hampshire. by this. So what, what's the latest? What's going on? And I happen, just so you know, since, you know, the radio people can't see me, but the podcast people, I have my little constitution here. Because I want to go into this whole 14th Amendment. What's going on? What's the latest in New Hampshire? So we we had um, two filings uh, from an individual um, challenging President Trump's ability to be on the ballot uh, based mm. on the 14th Amendment insurrection clause. So mm. Section 3. And, and wasn't one of them Corky Messner? Um, he threatened to do it and teed it up. But he actually, as far as I know, hasn't filed. But this other gentleman from Texas has filed. And wait, his, somebody from Texas can file about who can be on the freaking ballot in New Hampshire? Um, <laughs> you know, we have a free country and people are free to do things that um, stupid things, right? Exactly. Yeah. That I, should I, you not can't, be you allowed. Can't, you can't say that, Mr. Chairman, but I can. <laughs> that is dumb. I don't know why Texas has any right to tell New Hampshire what yeah, to do. Right. Yeah. But, but anyway. But, this, so we had, by the way, yeah. the banter between Eric and I, Mr. Chairman, is why people love tuning into us because nothing, yeah. there are no sacred cows. So we have to call out Texas, <laughs> even though, even though, that's her home state. Well, I'm yes. in Texas right now, and uh, he he hasn't come to me yet. He hasn't found me yet. <laughs> okay. All right. So so so, so 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 this knucklehead from Texas. Can okay. I use the word knucklehead. The knucklehead yes. from Texas files. So what what's happening? Um, so th there was the first filing was in our um, uh, state superior court, Merrimack County Superior Court, and the the attorney general and the secretary of state looked at the claim. I mean, you have to look at it. You take every court filing seriously, uh, even some of them that aren't serious. Do you, you never know. Do though, really? So they they had a press conference last week. Uh, the secretary of state and said their determination was that. Um, the 14th Amendment really didn't apply to our primary who's going to be on the ballot because it says you can't serve. And what we're doing is we're voting to pick delegates for a party convention. 
That's really what we're doing in our primary. That's so he said, yeah, it doesn't really apply to us. And, uh, you know, who, who can serve um, as president? You know, ultimately, that would be up to the voters in the Supreme Court. So we pretty much looked at the Superior Court one and said, you know, it doesn't really it doesn't really apply to us. So we're moving forward. Um, and I thought it well, and- on the state Superior Court. But then there was a filing in federal court for an emergency injunction to to stop of course and of course the, the the state party we we intervened on behalf of the voters of new hampshire to say hey no let us pick who we want um to send our delegates to the, to the national convention let, let us pick who we want to pick go to the national convention and then after that if somebody decides something different you know that's not us but in new hampshire just leave us alone you know live for your die leave us alone let us pick who we want to pick and um it, it's kind of ridiculous because you look at the 14th Amendment insurrection. It was, they were really talking about the Civil War. But if you look at the Fifth Amendment and the 14th, mm. some of the legal arguments, I'm not a lawyer, thank goodness, but um, some of the folks are saying, <laughs> hey, you have to have due process. He had, President Trump, none of the Republican candidates have been convicted. And so innocent until proven guilty, due process. Exactly. There's no emergency injunction for something that might happen. And so let me just really quickly, as I'm thinking about this, right? So really what we're doing, like you said, is picking the delegates. And for a lot of people, I don't think they understand the electoral college and how the electoral college works. So worst case scenario. That's because we don't teach civics anymore. Right. But uh, technically speaking, you're picking your delegates, right? And so you're, you now, New Hampshire says we're, you know, we pick a Republican candidate. You go to the commit, the convention in theory, if by then something has happened and president Trump is convicted, you could still pick a different candidate. Like, like, Right, like the the mean, delegates. The fa- wait, wait, wait. The faithless electors. What are we talking about? I yeah. mean, yeah. So let's say let's say President Trump wins the primary, mm-hmm. and then and then the delegates go to the convention, and somewhere in between there, President Trump actually gets convicted of insurrection. Then the delegates could pick like whoever came in second. So I I think in theory. Um, Am I digging into the yeah. weeds too much? Am I um, being too no. nerdy right now? <laughs> no, no, I don't think you can be too nerdy. It's okay. Um, oh, yes, she can. Yes, she can. <laughs> <laughs> so our primary date is likely January 23rd. Okay. Unless the Democrats and I would do something crazy that forces our Secretary of State to, to reconsider. And we're working through that. But I'm hoping it's January 23rd, a week after Iowa. So we pick... Okay. 23 delegates, I'm sorry, 22 delegates in New Hampshire to go to the National Convention. And they're apportioned by our state rules and the RNC rules. And so let's say, you know, one candidate gets 11, another candidate gets 11. Okay, they, that's how we pick delegates to go to the state convention based on who they picked in the primary, the percentages. Mm. Uh, you know, there's other little rules like you, you, can, to, you have to right. get above 10% to get any delegates at all, and then they apportion them. Let us pick those people. Let us pick them. You know, don't don't interfere with us. If we got to the national convention and something changed, 
And the yes. people that you vote, that you're a delegate for, they say, hey, you know, you're released. You don't have to vote or something happened. It's possible at the convention that those votes could, something could happen. But generally, our people are committed to whoever, whatever mm. delegate um, that they okay. were selected to represent or the candidate. But so is there a state law that it could? Yeah. Is there a state law that requires that that the that the delegates vote for who they were uh, appointed to vote mm. for? Yeah, or, because or, every or, state's or, different. Yeah. Right. Some states it's required. Some states it's silent. Yeah. Some. So, yeah. You, so in our state, um, if you're if you're a delegate representing a candidate, then you vote for that candidate until until you're released. I mean, Got it. okay. And what would that release? Who, who, or how does that release work? Because uh, in the some states, if you the vote the first time, yeah, the candidate could release you. Um, and and generally, our people will vote for the candidate until that candidate says you don't have to vote for me anymore, and then mm -hmm. they vote for whoever they want. And most times, the candidate will say, "I'm pulling out and I'm throwing my support to so and so," but mm -hmm. at that point, you're no longer bound to that candidate. So okay. So, so a fight yeah. on the convention floor. Can, let's go back to this 14th okay. Amendment because I just, you know, Robert being Robert, I, I wonder, you know, if you read the 14th Amendment, and yes, folks, I have my little book with me, which is the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Ooh. So Article 14, Section 3 says, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president or vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state if you shall en have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Based on that standard, let's see, Uranium One deal here, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden taking, taking you know, money from China and Ukraine and all those giving other things. Giving money to yeah. Iran yeah. and yeah. leaving money to weapons well, in Afghanistan. and Obama as well. But but this says you can't be a senator, you can't be a state rep, you can't be an elector. So if they want to apply that standard, I mean, where would I mean, look, we want to clean out Washington, D.C. and drain the swamp. This might be a good way to do it. What do you think? <laughs> and I know I'm yeah. sort of poking the bear. I mean, but, can, yeah. can we do that with all the representatives who like openly violate the Constitution and try to override right. all of our checks and balances? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that anyone that's associated with keeping the border open of the southern border and allowing all the fentanyl coming in, you, you could argue, hey, that that's a lot. Correct. Supporting an insurrection or an invasion. Um, bribery. I mean, you could say, well, President Biden should be impeached for failure to uh, uphold the Constitution and for bribery. Uh, looking at what happened in Ukraine, it looks, you know, that evidence to me looks, you know, much stronger than the evidence against President Trump, you know. For so we're going to kick so, him. We're going to kick him off the ballot too. Then, well, I mean, there was a judge in New York, I think, in the nineteen eighties, who said, you know, you can indict a ham sandwich. So, um, ninety-one indictments. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we have. I mean, we got a lot of ham sandwiches out there, but we don't want them all indicted. And we have RNC members who have. Um, felony charges against them because they allowed their name to be used as an alternate elector should the votes of that state not be certified. And some of those states were very close and they said, hey, we need to be ready just in case something switches. Just because they had their name on there and they signed a document to be an alternate elector, 
they have felony charges racking up hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, of bills for, for legal That's services. What? So, so, it's ridiculous. So we've, so we've criminalized, we're criminalizing politics, right? And, poli and politics as it, I mean, look, What's the old expression? Politics is really like sausage making, right? It's this ugly process, but if done properly, you know, the end product is, you know, a delicious, sweet thing in theory. So we're there. So there are RNC committee men or women that have felony charges because they agreed to be an alternate uh, elector just in case the original electors weren't seated. Correct. Wow. Wow. This happened in the. Uh... Uh, at least Michigan and Georgia, they're, they, they're really coming down. I think one of them has eight, eight felony charges based on that one. Oh my gosh. Their name to be used. This and, is, and this is why, you know, a friend of mine, uh, literally called me this week and was like, can you explain to me exactly what a banana Republic is? Uh, and I, you know, uh, yeah. I'm starting to feel what like, was, what, wait, wait, what was your response? I said, well, um, technically it's when the government, like when the people like really officially lose all faith in the government and, uh, the rule of law can't be trusted and you know, everything is just like failing. And, and she goes, oh, so a lot like what the United States is starting to look like. And I couldn't really argue. And when I hear stuff like this, chairman Ager, I go, I, uh, this feels like banana republic territory we had another uh, rnc member who was the chairman of the state committee had the uh, uh law enforcement show up at their house in the early morning hours and no notice come no in, intimidation there. there all their computers and cell phones <gasps> well th this is uh like political warfare and the other side is just gone too far and so i'm prepared wow for you know, anybody that steps forward, they're going to be put a microscope on you and, and charge you with something. Even if they don't get a conviction, the process, sure, they want to, the penalty. Yeah. You're going to go yeah, they want, defending yourself. They want, to intimidate, they want to intimidate good people from stepping forward and participating oh. in the process because it's their process. And look, look, and this is, in all fairness, Mr. Chairman, this is not you talking. This is me talking. So let's be clear, listeners, that this is Robert's opinion. But the enemy is so far inside the gate right now, they don't even have to pretend anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's my and that's my concern in all of this is the system only changes when good people step forward and participate, whether it's at the state level, local state, you know, federal level. And good people don't want to step forward because, because they're of afraid of, of this kind of, of, of this kind of crap. Yeah. Well, and I think we might have stepped on a statement there a little bit. Uh Chairman, I think you said the punishment is the process. So, or, or the process is the punishment to say it more even directly is like, they don't even care if they get a conviction. They just want you to be punished for even being part of the process. Yeah. I, it, it seems pretty clear to me that, you know, they want to make examples out of people. And, and I think like uh, Robert said, intimidate others. Right. And, mm. You know, the reason for the First Amendment was not, you know, for people to say nice things out in public. It, it protected <laughs> tough political speech. I mean, really like hard hitting political speech is what it was designed for. Things that might make mm. you uncomfortable. But but that was what it was intended for. Now 
the Democrats and the, the institution, the Department of Justice, um, is being misabused, if that's even a word, um, <laughs> they're, they're using that to kind of criminalize political speech. And exactly um, right. it's, uh, it's kind of dis disheartening, but I'm not discouraged. I'm kind of encouraged because people aren't going away. People are saying, no, you know, you might want to make me call me a domestic terrorist because I went to a school board meeting, uh, but you're, you're not going to you're not going to frighten me. So even more people are stepping forward, uh, which is great. It's, it's a great sign for us. It's almost like them being so brazen with the attacks is actually waking more people up to the problems of the system. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you can, the American people are like a big, you know, a big bear, you know, we're generally kind of, you know, pretty gentle and quiet, but I mean, I think we, you know, you can only poke the bear so many times and average people are kind of, they get it now. They're looking at what's happening and they're going like, what the heck? And so the best way to, to, to do something is to get involved in your politics and help get people elected who think like you. Uh, that's right. the best thing you can do because then you can have meaningful change. And in New England, you know, it's going to be a little bit different than it is, say, in the Southeast. You know, we, we might have to be a little bit more incremental here. Um, mm. Federal seats in New England, one out of 33 Republican. Susan Collins, yeah. one so out of 33 Susan Collins. But So we're not going to turn around counts. 20 or 30 right away but you know we're going to have to start chipping away at that and I, well, hopefully this uh, year we'll be able to do it well let's talk about local elections right i know mm -hmm. that in new hampshire the house is almost evenly divided and we haven't done so well on the republican side with the special elections there is one more coming up why don't you tell our listeners because don't forget you know we are in the middle of new hampshire in terms of where yeah. you know where most of our listeners are and the importance of this, even though they can't vote in this election, but they can certainly support it, right? Because I think it's Hillsborough. So it we, yeah, we have uh, right now. If you go from Maryland to Maine, there's only one Republican-controlled state in the state house. That's New Hampshire. We're the only wow. one from Maryland right. to Maine, and you know we hold the House, Senate, and the governor. The 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 Senate, fourteen to ten, is is relatively uh, stable. The House right now. Is 400 people, 198 Republicans. Uh, I'm sorry, 199 Republicans, 198 Democrats, and three vacant seats. Wow. So those three vacant seats will have special elections. One is already determined. That's going to uh, be coming up in November. And that's Nashua uh, Ward 4. And, Why is that one already determined? Um, well, they've determined the election date for that one because it's been vacant oh, for a while. Got it. So that's a heavily Democratic district, um, which, you know, could, could if the Democrats win, could put us in a tie. Then there's two more that became vacant last week up in the north part of the, of the state in Coas County. Um, so... Let's just say we had a 199 to 199 in January. We're likely to have two more special elections. Um, if somebody wins, if we split them, it's a 200 to 200 Mexican standoff. And who's the tiebreaker? If party wins both, then they they'll go 201 to 199. Um, wow! So how, how do you how do you how do you govern 
How do you legislate in a tie? Is there a similar to the U.S. Senate where the vice president breaks the tie? Who breaks the tie in New Hampshire? The um, governor? Uh, I, I don't think um, I don't think you break a tie. I think you, you have to the House has to figure out how to govern itself um, with the split with the split group. Um, it could be they cut a deal and say, hey, you get to be speaker and, you know, but you got to split the committee chairmanships. It could be, you know, some kind of arrangement, but the house has to figure that out if it happens, you know, we're hoping it doesn't happen. Well, and governor, Sun governor Sununu isn't running again next year either. Right. So that means your governorship is going to be a wide open race. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's true. And we have two very good competent, uh, candidates running for governor right now, the former okay. Senate President Chuck Morse and former U.S. Senator Kelly Ayotte. Either of them would be a far better choice than any of the Democrats uh, who are running. Uh, one of them is Joyce Craig, the, the mayor of Manchester, where crime oh, and homelessness has skyrocketed. Do not so, elect that person. No, but her, her, her campaign motto is let's turn New Hampshire into Manchester. And people are like, no, no. And um, they clearly have not been to Manchester. They and, clearly and, have not been to and, Manchester. And Mr. Chairman, you, our last show, we were talking about Manchester doesn't qualify as a big city, but we were trying to look around the country and name of the top 10 cities, right? All of them are blue. Actually, Dallas just turned red if the because the mayor, you know, convert, you know, changed parties. But name one that's well governed. That's a blue. I mean, all the cities are blue. I mean, so at some point, someone's going to have to connect the dots and realize that that Democrats don't know how to govern unless, of course, you want more less laws, more crime, and anything goes. Yeah. What well, the the good news is on November seventh, in a few months, we have uh, an election for a new mayor of Manchester. And there was a runoff because it's nonpartisan in name only, but nonpartisan. Um, the Republican running uh, was unopposed by other Republicans. He won 40, about 42 percent of the vote. The next highest Democrat of the three running got about 25 percent of the vote. Wow. So we have wow. a realistic yep. chance. But they'll to coalesce. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very right. tough. But we, we have a great candidate. Um, he, he's been able to raise money from in-state his opponent, half of his money has been raised from out of state. Half, full half of that is out of state union money. So wow. the people in Manchester are going to see, they're going to know who's who in the zoo. This guy's owned by the unions. And, and how is that going to help the, the city? And so we yeah. have a chance to stop Manchester from turning into Manchganistan and keep it a great <laughs> city. <laughs> By electing, you know, Mayor uh, Jay Rui, Rui, and Jay's running. He's not running as a partisan. He's running as a, you know, right down the center of, of family kitchen table issues in Manchester. He's he's not getting involved in the big partisan politics at all. He's just, hey, I want to make the lives of people in Manchester better. And he's resonating uh, very well with a lot of people. So, uh, so you better- have some really big elections coming up this year, Chris. Or um, Chairman Ager, sorry, we're for, we're formal here. Yes, yes, <laughs> Madam Reddick. Um, yeah, we, we have no, some lady, very lady, important, very important yeah. ones coming up. We, we call her Lady Erica. That's okay. Uh, by the way, the word of the day 
is Manchganistan, if I pronounce that properly. That is my word of the day. Manchganistan. So, Mr. Chairman, we have to go to break. We're getting the high sign from our producer. Folks, you're listening to Of the People with Robert Chernin, Eric Reddick, and the chairman of New Hampshire GOP, Chris Aker. 